So welcome everyone to the next episode of the Caterpillar podcast. This week it's just Jedi and myself. There might have been a miscommunication again. Yeah, we we were hoping to have TC Freer, but uh, there was a mix-up as to exactly which Friday. So we'll have him next week instead. But uh, we have some numbers to discuss this week. So we immediately went, aha, TC Freer. He likes his spreadsheets. True. Speaking of numbers, I think the first thing is basically uh, the dev block with the changes to the super ship economy, because it looks like Wargaming wasn't very happy with the first iteration of it. Yeah, so- I mean, um, this is something that was sort of me- mentioned a while back. I think this is the first real detail we've had about the kind of changes that they want to make. And they're not just doing a simple... Um, split of what's there already they're taking the opportunity to make some deeper changes as it turns out Uh, uh, yeah we don't i mean the numbers they've given don't necessarily all fully add up at the moment but it gives some idea of of the direction they want to go in at least i mean for the super ships the the changes are even life already they're basically just Given the super ships, uh, like oh the super ship! Let, wow, my brain just went. Yeah, you already went to the, the other thing. No, to, to right, the super other. ships. Yes, sorry, <laughs> we're on the same page now. Literally, got ahead of myself there. Basically, they just earn now less experience, and uh, the credits from super battleships has been increased somewhat, comparing to other classes. Not sure why. The most interesting part I found is that the amount of uh, XP gained by super carriers for dealing damage was reduced. So basically what this tells me is Wargaming mean, looks at the numbers and is like, well, super carriers do way too much damage. How do we solve this problem? Well, we give them less experience for it, so people won't realize that super carriers are overpowered. It's, it's like the worst kind of cover-up, but maybe it works on some people. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I suppose you could see it that way. That yeah, you look at the score screen at the end, and and maybe they're not going to be as high up as they are before. But it it doesn't necessarily de incentivize playing them at all. So yeah, I don't I don't really know what kind of change they they think that that will make in terms of uh, like the influence of super carriers. That one's a bit peculiar. I, the only reason I can really see is that they're trying once again to cover up how overperforming carriers are because it's easier than to balance them, right? They, that's the only thing that makes sense. Now, they're rebalancing the credit income because, you know, they wanted them to lose more credits or so that I can see shipwise because super ships are designed to like bleed credits. But, uh, that they especially like, deal with uh, super carriers dealing too much damage by giving them less experience for it. it. It's just hilariously sad in my experience, but maybe they'll actually balance them at some point. I just don't hold much hope. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I think we're still fairly early days as far as super ships go. Uh, Definitely. In terms of them interacting with the economy. So I think we'll, we'll probably see more changes in the coming months. Oh, certainly. I mean, which is also a nice lead to the actually big topic uh, that you yes. already mentioned before, <laughs> the actual changes to the economy that are planned. 
yes, I got ahead of myself there. So, um, yeah, I, I, this is something they teased a while back, and it's something that's been requested for, I think, years at this point, to be able to separate the, um, like the, the visuals of camo from the economic bonuses of camo so that you're not tied to using certain camos to get certain bonuses. And uh, like I said, there probably would have been a, a simpler way to do this that wouldn't really have impacted the current economy, but instead they have used this as a uh, an opportunity to get into the nuts and bolts of of uh, various um, economic mechanics. And we've seen them tinkering with the economy a bit previously, um, sort of around the periphery of it in terms of um, uh, signals particularly and um, you know not getting signals from uh, uh, like achievements in game anymore having to buy more of them with coal or credits and uh, also obviously being able to mount a lot more signals as well and um, so you know that that was clearly a measure designed to move coal and credits um out of, of the economy because in a way it, it's it's something i've long praised the game for the the fact that it has actually quite a kind economy for uh, a, a free-to-play game in terms of the player experience but uh at the same time you can see that the economy kind of got away from wargaming in terms of it being a free-to-play game and uh, it being possible to make lots and lots of credits relatively quickly. I mean, another major example was what they did with the Missouri and the reintroduction of that and the the various tweaks they made to the permanent mission, if you already happened to own it. So, um, yeah, rather than do uh, what Gaijin has done repeatedly over the years, where they've just they straight up nerf income gains or, or XP gains across the board, um, Wargaming is being uh, the continuing to be a bit more indirect about it, but this is probably the most direct changes we've had, we've seen so far uh, in terms of um, what it looks like they're aiming to do. But the um, this is all still initial details, and the actual uh, the 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 kind of uh, example spreadsheet thing they provided so people could poke around at it themselves wasn't really functioning correctly and i don't think it's uh, as far as i know it's still not functioning correctly so uh, it's it's hard to get an exact handle on it but uh i think the consensus seems to be it's going to be a mix of positives and negatives as far as players are concerned so should we maybe go into the article a bit before we start talking about what little white mouse was going over uh, sure. I mean, ba basically, I think the, the important thing is first to to say how the new system is working. Like, right? They they separate the economic bonuses from the visuals completely, and you have a new like economics tab where you can slot bonuses in separate slots. And for each, there is one slot for premium. Like if you had a premium camo that goes into the premium slot, right? So there's basically still a premium economic bonus you can buy for a ship. And that just goes into that slot. And then you have one slot for credits, one for experience, one for, I think, captain experience, and one for free experience. And the experience modifier only affects ship experience in the future and not all experience. And uh, there are, like, 
different, let's say, rarities for each slot, right? So you could have like a 100% bonus or a 300% bonus or, you know, depending on the slot, right? So you have, uh, you know, your common rarity buff or your rare rarity buff and so on. There's a list on how those going to be transformed from the bonuses like that you have right now. But I, I mean, highly suspect there will be like loot boxes involved somehow in all of this process. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest information that we're missing is how in the future we are going to get those bonuses because right now, like the, the article says how the new system is supposed to work and how things are going to be transferred. And you can do some calculations on how would credit incomes now be if you stack all of your flags with afterwards when you just slot those bonuses. But the biggest question is how are you going to get those, right? And I don't think they have really touched on that. So, and our ability of those bonuses is obviously long-term the biggest question. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, it's it's sort of like what they did with the, the flag changes. I think they are trying to move to a system where they're making players pick and choose a lot more which ships they want to have their income bonuses on, as opposed to at the moment where you just have, you know, uh, a perma camo on a ship, you just get, like, flat bonuses across the board for all of those ships. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think what, what they want to do is is kind of decrease the level of credits overall, but... Uh, just going on what's here anyway, maybe give players the ability to have greater increases from individual ships by stacking the various bonuses, um, which would almost... I mean, at the moment, you can just kind of play whatever, and even without a premium account, you can generally do all right uh, across the board, but um, uh, this almost feels like it might be moving towards... Um, how it is in in like War Thunder Wall of, Wall of Tanks, where you you kind of have to go out and, and, and play your premiums in order to fund your other ships, and you know that 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 becomes the most effective thing is to uh, play your premiums with all the various bonuses on. Uh, which, uh, the only real thing we have like that at the moment is is the Missouri, where you know it's kind of head and shoulders above everything else. If you have the uh, the Missouri with the the credit mission, so. Uh, yeah, well, we'll 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 need more detail to really understand, like how, um, like how how these bonuses are credited to people, uh, like if it's going to be mission chains or if it's going to be based on loot boxes or if you're um, going to be able to uh, or, or even have to buy them in some cases. I mean, that screenshot there has uh, the uh, like a three hundred percent bonus, and it has a little. 12 in the corner, 12 doubloons. So uh, is that just going to be, you know, uh, if you want to auto-replenish, it's going to cost you 12 doubloons every time? Or uh, do you, Probably. you know, you're going to have to stock up on them? And it kind of reminds me of um, World of Tanks' uh, crew training books in that regard, because you get various levels of crew training books. And I think some of them you can like buy with credits and whatnot, and others that you, you just kind of earn through doing missions and such forth. So, um, yeah, I, I do wonder how much inspiration they're taking from that, even though obviously it's more to do with uh, credits than uh, crew XP. 
I mean, right now, like the basic economic flex, right? You can also do out to replenish and it will buy them for doubloons, which is annoyingly always on if you automatically. There's as well. There's like the Type 59 camo and I think one or two others, which will auto replenish for doubloons. Didn't Camels auto replenish for, for credits? I th- I, mostly, I think, I, just, I think there's one or two that will replenish ah. for doubloons, though. So that that kind of mechanism is already in the game in some form. Yeah, I, I presume like the 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 lowest rarity economic bonus is probably something that you can auto replenish, and then the higher ones you get special. Like I think, I mean, right now there is a lot more mixing and matching, suppose because there are a lot of special flags, different ones that all have different bonuses, and you can mix and match with what you have. And in the way, it's then simplified that you just have probably like four slots for each thing. And I presume the the bigger bonuses you get from lovely bundles that they like to sell mm. or or super crates or whatever. I mean, in some way, you can see this as them trying to rationalize things and bring uh, what currently are bonuses from camos and bonuses from signals under like into a single unitary system um, which might make from their perspective it might it might make it easier to keep tabs on um, the kind of economic variables uh, but yeah, yeah it doesn't really like we're still we're still lacking a lot of fine detail in this in this article this, this is still somewhat preliminary yeah i'm not sure i have to give an any timeline or this? I don't think so. I mean, it might be we see it much later this year, um, but it, it it's kind of such a big change that like, it might even... Well, no, I suppose next year probably would be a bit... But then, on the other hand, we have all the stuff going on with the, the separation between Leicester mm-hmm. and Wargaming, so maybe, maybe it, it might get pushed back as far as next year, depending on how much the impact is, because this is a fairly significant behind-the-scenes, you know, economic change. My yeah. guess would be sometime this year. Yeah, I think it might have originally been... Like, I think it was in, in the uh, roadmap that they posted, so it might have been something planned for summer, so I forgot. But obviously, like, with a big change this big. Who knows? And all of those numbers might also still change, right? This is a very preliminary article, I suppose. Indeed, I definitely wouldn't take anything that's in here as being, um, you know, written in stone. Yeah, they also some basic, like they changed the basic free experience is going to be doubled. And uh, something like about the service cost of some ships adjusted and so on. So they make some base changes on top of this system as well. So I think overall, from what has been calculated so far by, by people that have looked into this a bit more, is it seems rel- overall relatively equal to what we have now. But yeah, of course, it, it's, it's taking some things away, but it's also giving some benefits to players. So it, it's there's no can't we can't really look at it and say yeah, it's it's more sort of positives than negatives at the moment, or negatives than positives. 
which you know I think that's probably their goal is to have something that is um, that at least feels fair to players. Although there might be individual elements yeah. that end up being controversial. I mean, my theory is from all of this article and for what we've seen so far is that they are trying to make it somewhat fair in that it's possible to earn about the same thing as it is right now. And that the conversion of what we have to the new system will be relatively fair, but then they might make it just hard to earn the good bonuses in the future, right? So basically make a system that potentially could achieve what the, uh, the current system does and don't take any of the current resources away from you, but in the future be a lot, lot, lot more stingy with, with giving you the good buffs. That's something that I could see happening, of course. Yeah, them. I mean, this is it, it, it absolutely has the potential to be a system whereby uh, it starts off with something very, very close to the, the, the current system, but over time, like, they, yeah, they, they could tweak the odds of of the the various uh, bonuses appearing for players, and um, you know, nerf or even potentially stealth nerf the economy by yeah. uh, doing stuff like that. And I mean, it might give them something, uh, let's say, more attractive to put in loot boxes than the flags that are currently not not that great. If they, if they actually make the like, when you look at this, what what. Not sure what this bonus is. Was it a free experience bonus or something like that? That starts out at 300 then goes to 600 then to 2400 and to 7200% the highest yeah. bonus, right? And if you make that like really rare and you put some of those tokens into loot boxes, then you have like the crap loot that usually nobody wants. And you kind of can make things like that more interesting by, by offering those as prizes. So, I mean, who knows? But it's something that I could see definitely Wargaming trying to do. Certainly, yeah. Um, that That is uh, uh, potentially going to be a more attractive reward for people rather than I'm going to get some random flags that I may not have any use for. And if it is going to go in loot boxes, you'll at least be able to then see the odds of actually getting you know the good stuff. And... As also, opposed to, you know, you might get some yeah. flags, but we won't tell you what kind of flags. Also, when it comes to premium camos, from what I've seen, is that, like, the, the, the camo will only be visual, right? And that means they're going to split the price of a camo and partially sell you the economic bonus and partially, like, the, the uh, visuals, right? So, I don't know, a camo that was now worth 5,000 doubloons, maybe you'd buy 2,000 for, I don't know, the, the wish rates, and then 3,000 for the economic bonus, and you can buy them separately, right? So you can only buy the visual part of a camo, you can only buy the economic part of a camo. From the way I understand it, which also gives them a much more opportunity to monetize pure visuals, because they, they are now going to sell visuals cheaper, I suppose, because you only want the economic bonus once, yeah, right? I I would hope that that would mean things like the the kind of perma camos and stuff like the uh, like even even like the golden week um, sort of samurai ship skins that are being sold at the moment, which are I think more expensive than standard perma camos, um, stuff like that. You know, hopefully the the price would would drop. Uh, I can't. I, one, I think one big question mark is, and I, I, I can't remember because I did read over this, but I can't remember if it addresses it specifically. But what it's going to mean 
full uh, premium ships. I don't know if it does specifically address that, like how how things will. I mean, I, I, it's got a note about Missouri right down at the bottom, but it doesn't. No. I suppose premium ships will just have a. Maybe a different modifier on the permanent uh, on the premium economic Maybe. boost, and that will just come automatically with it, right? Yeah, I mean that that would kind of make the most um, sense to do it that way, I suppose. And yet, I have an actual example for permanent camels, like for example, for the Yamato economic. Boost will cost you 4,800 doubloons, and uh, if you buy, for example, Scorpion, Scorpion would then cost you 3,200 doubloons, right? So if you want only the visuals, then you would buy that. And the Type 20, like the regular premium camo visuals, would be 200 doubloons. So the, if you only want, like, the permanent visuals of the camo, it's only 200 doubloons, and the economic is 4,800, right? And Scorpion, which was a or expensive camel because it really transforms the ship, costs 3,200. And right now that costs, I think, 8,000, right? So that is split in the 4,800 for the economic and 3,200 for, for the uh, visuals. And that's actually a pretty cheap reduction when you think about it because there are ships like, for example, the Yamato has... I don't know how it's called. It, it has the one with the very long range find, a very beautiful camel. It has the Scorpion camel. Hmm. It, I don't know did it have. Camel? Yeah, probably. So. Not AL. Yeah, no, it does. It. Oh, no, wait. Is that Masashi? I think it's High School Fleet. That's the one I'm thinking of. I yeah. know it's got one of them. So, yeah. And I mean, if you want, if you want multiple of those camels for a ship, right, that's a severe uh, reduction. Yeah, I mean. This is, I mean, this is one of the things that that we've certainly talked about a lot in the past. Is is wargaming kind of ignoring or semi ignoring um, people's desire for customizations? Um, this is, I think, going to be. I hope it's at least. I hope, I hope I'm vindicated in in, in saying that it, it's going to be. You know, it's going to make these these uh, uh, just the pure purely visual look of, of Pomicama is much more popular. Because, uh, yeah, th at the moment they are potentially quite an investment. I mean, I also hope that for, for the good regular-looking camels that they'll make them more available because mm. wargaming is obviously always concerned about the economy. So if you have a good-looking camel, but it also comes with good bonuses. I don't know, for example, like Fu, you mentioned the, the Pi Day camel. Pi Day camel is a really looking a really good looking one. I don't know what exactly the bonuses are on. But then Wargaming like gives out camels like this. Right now they are always concerned about the economic impact. But if that's removed, then they have no reason to limit the supply of a lot of good looking camels, right? I mean obviously they want to profit from that, so they'll probably sell things in some way. But it gives them a lot more option to to offer cool looking camels that are in a very short supply right now. I'm at least hoping they will offer some because there are so many good looking camels that I've barely ever used because I'm like, yeah, I have 10 of those. They would look great, but I only have 10 of those. So I'm never mounting them. Mm -hmm. I get to look, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple where it's just like single digits and I get to look at them in port once, and once in a blue moon, but I'm never actually going to use them in a game. 
Yeah, it, it's a sad. You look at it in port like, ah, oh, that's a good looking ship. Now let's mount something ugly and go to bed. So yeah, for also for those interested, like in this article, there's a conversion calculator that I don't think it has fixed yet. So it, like the, the the I think little mouse has found some errors in this, and I don't think Wargaming has fixed it yet. Although I'm not sure. So take any conversation uh, conversion things here with a grain of salt. I mean, take any numbers in this article with a grain of salt anyway, because they are all still uh, in testing or being being planned. Yeah, some of these some of these things might change, but I mean, there's certainly going to be some good benefits for um, players overall. I mean, um, especially if you're a free player, the uh, the base level of free XP gain is going to double from five to ten percent. So that's going to be quite nice, and um, ships are just going to like as a freebie get baked in. Uh, the, the baked in was it like three percent concealment you get from mounting a camo? Uh, although the flip side for that is that you're you know, everyone's going to lose the um, uh, two percent dispersion uh, penalty that other ships have for firing on you when you're mounting a camo. So that that is probably like we'll see what change that makes because two percent doesn't sound like a lot, but. With the way the, the the wargaming formulas work, sometimes you know the, the the small percentages can make a bigger difference than you can realize. True. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I mean, that that then might end up being dropped as an idea, or um, a, you know, potentially you could have like some classes, for instance, are going to miss that dispersion bonus uh, more than others. Destroys and, and cruisers, particularly, I think the, the squashier ships or the, the ships without a, a large amount of hit points. So, to answer your question, Sean, all existing camels lose their economic bonus. There will no longer be any sort of connection between any visual or any economic bonus. This is all gone. No camel will ever have any bonus anymore. It's all just visuals after this change. They all get separated, and you get rewarded by with the new tokens, right? If you have currently a camel that has a certain economic bonus, then you'll get a token uh, like uh, that you can slot basically for the for, for all of the consumable ones, right? And for the permanent camels, you basically get a permanent increase on the ship. In yeah, I want economics. one change they are making, and again, I think this is just simplification: is they're removing the service cost reduction. And replacing them oh, yeah. across the board with uh, just credit income bonuses. So I, I think that's one of those things that, that, that is just trying to make things simpler on their end. But that's that's not necessarily going to have an effect on on players' total earnings. Yeah, I suppose. And uh, yeah, the it's also going to be interesting because with, with like the remove of stats from camels, the how much the four percent dispersion that, that that's something that you can't get back, right? While the the concealment is get the base yeah. concealment of all ships is going to be changed to include the lack of concealment from camels. So concealment should be the same on all ships, but the the four percent dispersion that's that's I not being that's, compensated for. That's going to be probably the overall most 
Well, or to me anyway, that seems like it's going to be the most kind of generally controversial thing because that that's kind of uh, it's it's a nerf for everybody's survivability and it's a buff for everybody's accuracy, even if it doesn't necessarily seem like a huge one. And I don't really, I I, I don't think I've seen a rationale for that. They've it says it several times through the article, but I don't think they've really said why they want to make that change. Honestly, I, I would assume that they're just to, like they would have to to change the, the accuracy on all ships if they or I don't know how like maybe it's it's just that they are too lazy to find a way to implement it. I think like that. And they yeah, don't I, feel I don't like know. it's going to make that big of a difference. But I mean at least unlike data, it's going to be across the board, so it doesn't necessarily incentivize people to camp at the back. But yes, it makes all ships in the game slightly more accurate. To a degree that we will, how much impact this has is is hard to say without testing it. I mean, because on the face of it, it's a slight buff to everyone's accuracy, but it's also a slight nerf to everyone's survivability. But you know, we don't really know uh, until I guess it's implemented how slight or um, you know how, how how slight that buff and nerf will be, respectively. I mean, honestly, it's it's not a bad idea that this isn't on on the camera because you see sometimes maybe inexperienced players just go naked into a battle, mm. right? And uh, if if you miss an economic boost, that's not really an issue, right? But if you miss like the few percent concealment mm -hmm. and the accuracy thing, then ah, so ah, basically ah, they are yeah. removing the, the chance that you're missing out on that bonus. So in that regard, I guess it's good. and that's certainly. Um... I think of, of most benefit to uh, free-to-play players, people that or, you know that maybe don't play very often, or lower-tier players where you know you're still in that stage where every credit counts, because that can put you at a real disadvantage. Um, like destroys versus destroys, for example, that hundred meters, two hundred meters, whatever the, the extra camo bonus at the moment can absolutely be the deciding factor in, a, in an engagement of who gets spotted first, who gets shot at first you know who, who's able to spot for allies without getting spotted by uh, uh in theory equally stealthy opponent but you know they don't have the camo and that's what makes the difference honestly when i look at the whole system in it feels like it's it's going to be more new player friendly while a lot of veterans will probably look at it and ask why hmm because it's not necessarily improving it for, for players. It's just going to make them learn a new system and potentially confusing them. But if you're a new player coming to the game, like if you just see a tab, here you slot your credit bonus and it exists in common, uncommon, rare, very rare, like a usual rarity system that you know from games. And here you can mount the other economic bonus for experience and so on. Like It looks like for a new player who has never played this game, it's more intuitive than the current system. Well, for a veteran, they might look at this and like, why do we have to go through all of this this change that doesn't actually do much for us? Hmm. Yeah, we'll see how, um, I don't know, how smooth the transition is, I guess, and how off-putting uh, it, it's made. Because sometimes these these changes are significant enough that, yeah, it can affect... Um, players desire to, to keep playing. I mean, the, the big example from Definitely. one of the tanks was 
when they changed from um, premium ammo, gold ammo, as it's still sometimes called, going from being only purchasable with with in-game gold, uh, you know, the the premium currency, to uh, something that could be purchased with both that and credits. And they didn't really make any changes to the ammo itself. They just changed how it could be bought. And suddenly it became available to a lot more people. And that did have a big impact on the game. I, I personally knew some very good players at, the, at that point that just kind of quit the game in disgust because they were really hoping that it would either be removed entirely or else um, they would actually make further changes rather than just the change to how it's bought. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it said over the years, it's it's gone to the point where, well, it's not even, I don't think you can even spend gold on it anymore, uh, but they still haven't really changed the, the nature or the function of it that much. It, it's still just better ammunition that costs more, essentially. And I mean, you know... <laughs> The removing the chance to buy it from gold doesn't do anything because you can buy credits with gold. You can still buy your gold trees yeah, I mean, to yeah, credits. Yeah, you still absolutely still... can indirectly yeah, sink real money into it. And then... They've just obscured that you're spending real money on it a little bit more. Yeah. There's one thing I'll definitely give War Thunder uh, their, their tanks is that the, 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 the system of different shell types might initially be more confusing, but I think there's plenty of resources out there to explain what shells do what, and they actually have different functions in in different um, scenarios and, and different nations. Ammo, ammo mm-hmm. choices does have quite a big effect on um, how how you have to play those. Whereas you know you can play that to little tanks, and it's just oh, I'll just press the two key and I get better ammo. <laughs> And you know, uh, again, it does favor people that have um, paid money indirectly through premium accounts because they can that much oh, better afford yeah. to uh, do that. So I, I was very glad when World War just came out and they were like, "We're not doing premium ammo." True, very true. No, no, Tom, no, no, no premium ammo in World of Warcraft. No, 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 <laughs> give, give them a year or two. There'd probably be a revolt, uh, like a riot, if they tried to do that. Two players still playing then in the submarines. <laughs> Either that, or they'll 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 give they'll, they'll give subs special <laughs> gold torpedoes. They have to pay doubloons for. You can send a gold-plated torpedo for a hundred doubloons. Does more damage and has auto-tracking. Yeah, does max citadel damage every time. <laughs> so yeah, overall, like the economy, as I said, right, if, if people are more interested, there is a lot more in this article, there is a calculator that may or may not work correctly. And Overall, it looks like they they are going to be at least initial relatively fair with the conversation, and then maybe they will just make their money in distributing the bonuses differently. But it's way too early to tell how it all will turn out and if it even can. But the positive news is definitely if you are a camo collector like me, that you'll probably get the visuals cheaper because they're separated from the economic bonus. Yeah, definitely. And... um... Uh, hopefully anyone that's got a 
Like, we don't know how generous they're going to be, but anyone that's got a good stock of, of uh, camos and signals will end up with a very good stock of these uh, bonuses out of it. But like I said, I, I think their intent is to uh, get people to be um, like have, having specific ships that they put all their good bonuses on and then like earned less, generally speaking, across the rest of their ships, which indirectly will... Uh, I, I don't know if this is their intent or not, but it, it indirectly will um, potentially make uh, premium ships more attractive as well. Potentially. But given that we don't quite know what exactly what they're doing with premium ships, because they only really address permanent camos, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, premium ships have permanent camos on them. They do, but they have kind of better baked-in bonuses than the standard uh, tech tree permanent camos for each tier, generally speaking. Yeah, but I suppose they just have like a better-than-passive premium bonus on them. Potentially, yeah. As, lo- as long as it's... I think that's one thing they probably will be quite careful about, uh, is, is making the, um, the earnings of premium ships be... Um, comparable because if you start monkeying around with stuff that people have paid money for and potentially you know people might have quite a lot of premium ships at this stage in the game that that's the stage where you might end up like opening yourself up to lawsuits and such like so i think they might be extra careful about that well we will see i suppose yeah lots of speculation on our <laughs> part but it's I mean, also, also if, if, if this is a plan that's a few months out, right, by then there might be an entirely different development team that takes a look at this and is like, what? Why? So, true. you know, it, it makes it even more uncertain than it would normally be, I suppose. Yeah, this is all, there's all still that, that fog of uncertainty going on with the studio split. To, to take into account as well, as we were saying towards the start. So we'll see. But it's interesting to, like, we, we at least have to give them credit for, to, for trying to give us some numbers to actually understand this and oh, not yeah. just be completely vague about it. True. They, 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 it's a very, I mean, I think it's in some ways possibly needlessly complicated, but there is a very thorough article if they go in conversations with offering tools where you can see, like, how your the stuff that you have right now will be converted into the new bonuses and such. But as I said, there was a, a bug with that. I'm not sure if that calculator has been fixed. So, But I hate to try it. An attempt was made. But I suppose we can move on from that to rather dev blocks, or do you still have something for the economy? Um, I think that's it, really. I mean, I'm still most interested to see what they do with premium ships exactly. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I probably would have preferred it if they had done a a simpler split. And um, uh, like even even just done it with camos and left signals alone, kind of thing. But they've obviously decided to do something a bit more complicated. So we'll see how it works out. This is one of those things where, in part, we just kind of have to wait and see. 
True. But there's, there's no there's no obvious huge massive honking great big red flags so far. So True. I'm vaguely cautiously optimistic, but we'll see. Optimism is <laughs> is probably a dangerous thing in the context of uh, <laughs> online free to play games. Possibly. We've we've been burned by warships in the past, but we are once again trying to be cautious, very cautiously optimistic that it's not a complete failure. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Meanwhile, there are some changes to test ships, which I'm not sure if anything truly interesting is there other than they have started nerfing San Diego again. Yeah, which... they've, they've knocked the sap on the head a bit, um, which is, I don't know if that was maybe to be expected. I mean, that's a fairly major change, though. Especially, they also changed the reload. So, I'm not sure how it stands DPM-wise now, but it's like San Diego started out being reload booster focused, but with the reload booster, it was worse than an Atlanta. So, basically, a tier 8 ship with less DPM with its gimmick than an Atlanta, right? So after a lot of backlash from the community, they actually buffed the ship and now they're back to nerfing it again. I'm not sure how much it has been nerfed by that, but this is a fa- like this is a fifth of the damage has been taken off per shot yeah. and the reload nerf. I d- I do wonder how much they have given themselves this issue with making it an SAP ship because at the, you've got to uh, like the. <laughs> With the SAP being particularly effective against destroyers and, and other lightly armored targets, um, like you've got that as almost a separate balancing issue from the SAP versus everything else. And so you might end up balancing it just fine against the destroyers and lightly armored targets, but then make it super weak against everything else in terms of just not having enough damage output. But then if you do uh, you know, too far the other way, then it becomes super OP versus... Um, you know, destroyers and whatnot. So I kind of feel like they've given themselves this this issue by making it an SAP cruiser when it didn't necessarily have to be. I also feel like they're giving themselves this issue with the reload booster. Like, originally it was supposed to be like the, the Austin, right? Entirely focused around its reload booster, and then they've removed, uh, like changed that, and now it only has two charges of it. But still, mm. if you have two charges, right, it's like... You can, if you have some very strong ammunition and generally not the worst reload, and if reload booster for a short amount of time, you have this very short moment of burst. And that's exactly how long destroyers are spotted, right? So if you pair that ship like with a raider, and then you raid a destroyer, and you only see that destroyer for like 10 seconds and can shoot it, but if you can burst a lot of damage thanks to reload boost in the 10 seconds, then it's certainly uh, inflates the, the damage that you do or like the, the effectiveness of the ship, but only mm-hmm. in those right circumstances, which also will be less once people figure out how powerful the San Diego is, right? Yeah. If you destroy a player, you know which ships you need to be more mm-hmm. careful around. The, the more... This is a, a problem that... I mean, it's certainly not going to be unique to this, but um, there's, there's certainly ships in game at the moment as well where the, the, the more specialized they are, um, kind of like the less generally useful they are, so you might have circumstances where they they can absolutely kick out a bunch of damage in in short order, or, or some specific circumstance where the combination of of consumables they have is is exceptionally useful. But then 
the rest of the time is, you know, functionally kind of dead weight, doesn't do anything. And um, I, th I think those those kind of ships are always going to be a tough sell to a general audience because oh, yeah. uh, if, if the promise of the ship is, well, you know, like 5% of the time you get to be really super, super effective and the other 95% of the time you are absolutely kind of subpar, not really contributing that much to your team, most people are going to look at that and say, hmm, pass. Oh there will yeah, be, there will be always some niche of players that that really like that one thing and will be happy to accept the ninety five percent downtime, as it were. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think this almost goes back to something we've, uh, we've said previously was the the fact that they picked um, a really like within NA anyway uh something that is a, is a comparatively well-known ship you know this this was a bad ship to try and stick a really niche gimmick on it'd be like taking war spite and sticking a super super niche gimmick on it yeah and it's also the problem with these niche gimmicks is that they're a lot harder to test because a lot of it becomes understanding the gimmick and playing around it mm -hmm. now while not not everybody in the player base is is actually going to play around some uh Things like that. But the more known something is, right? For example, if you don't know that the battleship has torpedoes, right? Once it's widely known that the battleship has torpedoes, people will play differently when they counter this mm -hmm. ship. So it's, and if your ship is, if a battleship has torpedoes, it's just a small gimmick oftentimes. But for something like the San Diego, if you only have two reload booster and it's balanced around getting the most out of these two things, it's first of all hard to play. It's often frustrating if you, like fail to use reload boosters properly and it's it's going to be a lot less effective once people know that they just need to play around those two charges mm -hmm. so, yeah i I, th I think if if they'd made it something else other than the san diego i think the reaction might have been a bit more muted but they've kind of hit themselves with a double whammy really there so we'll see yeah we'll see what effect that that has overall but um yeah it should be noted i mean in that uh uh where is it i think there's a later one where they said they actually have nerfed it again so it was what, what five five to five point two five and then in the changes to test ships uh eleven point three it's then going to five point five so uh, yeah. Uh, Actually, no, that's even in the same article. That's weird. I just noticed that. Why is that twice in the same article? It says it's going from 5 to 5.25, but then further down the same article, it says it's going from 5.25 to 5.5. I'm confused now. I thought that was a separate... I was, I was scrolling down and thought, oh, that must be a separate article if it's... Yeah, it's just above where it says the Aquila. Ah. <laughs> why, is it, why is it listed twice? Which the one first, is it? No, no, the first sh uh, changes were applied to the live server before the end of the, the week, and the oh, others are right. with the okay, next okay. update. Wow, okay, that's me not reading the headers properly. It's in so basically, they felt San Diego was so performing that they immediately nerfed it in between patches, and then okay. they decided to nerf it further. And there's going to be in even the further next nerf. Right, okay, that, okay that's un unconfused my poor brain there. But yeah. it's interesting because from what I've seen, the San Diego doesn't look that dangerous. But 
You know, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm concerned that Wargaming is basing this around some people very effectively using a gimmick because nobody knows it's there. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's the danger that they, they released it in an over-nerfed state, nobody plays it, and it just remains in that state forever and ever because, you know, people were being... Um, overly effective in like finding those scenarios where it does work very well compared to what the, the general player base would be able to manage. And once a ship kind of gets the reputation, it's hard to recover from that initial reputation. So it might end up being rebalanced, you know, further down the line to something that, that works well for, or at least reasonably well for everybody. But at that point, the, the damage might already be done kind of thing. I mean, it's it's weird because Wargaming releases ships in a very wide range from very yes. underperforming to very overperforming. So whenever they make changes like this, I feel like, I mean, let's well, it's it's fair to say I've lost a lot of trust into Wargaming because from the things that they release, we see that they are often wildly unbalanced in both directions, and they are very reluctant to change it afterwards. So them nerfing Santiago heavily again, I'm. I don't necessarily think that the ship's as strong as Wargaming believe. I have never played it, obviously. I only have seen starts. But knowing Wargaming and the, the way they usually behave, I wouldn't be surprised if San Diego comes out in a, in a very weak state and then stays there for years. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it would not be without precedent shall we say so yeah we'll 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 see but um it's certainly like reading stuff like this is certainly going to make a lot of fans of the real life san diego unhappy for sure well and then i mean there are a lot of other ships that it it's always hard to like with if you have never played them to see how they impact. And I, for most ships, I don't even know their test ship starts that well. San Diego just has been a topic that we have discussed in the past because San Diego was memorable because they tried to release it in a state that's worse than an Atlanta tier eight. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting when you see a ship for Wargaming, like the initial proposal was so bad that it's face palming worthy and then they buffed it a little and then they nerfed it immediately afterwards. So let's just say San Diego is something that's a little bit, has more eyes on it. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way of, of like, it's certainly a, a quite a high profile example of, uh, and you don't often get, like you, we have had in the past, um, ships where just the core concept seems fairly fatally flawed and I can't remember what last one we had like the original Pobeda maybe slash Slava or whatever it was uh, that the test version was which was a bit like you know insane uh, long range accuracy which we still kind of ended up with in the game but I, don't, I think it was toned down from what they originally had in mind but um, yeah, there's there's been just a couple of examples over the years, and this this, this is I think certainly one of them where it's just you just look at what the core idea of the ship is and think, no, that's not <laughs> going to work. Well, you know, whole, they have had much difficulty in actually you know balancing it, unsurprisingly. 
I mean, you know what? It, it reminded me a bit of, uh, what was it? The set, it's set 39 or so, like the, the tier 7 premium German destroyer that originally was planned at tier 8. And people took a look at it and it was worse in every stat than the existing, uh, Tactry ship, right? And it's mm-hmm. just like the Tactry ship wasn't that great, and this was worse in every way. Morgan was like, I, we, we don't, no, no, this is a fine ship. No, no, this, this is perfectly fine. And then they basically took the ship, including the tier 8 module slot, and just moved it to tier 7. Not, there might have been some slight changes there, but they more or less took the concept that they wanted to put a tier 8, put it at tier 7, and it wasn't overpowered. Not left it there. And this is sometimes baffling because they have proposals that you look in paper and you see it like, this makes no sense. And Wagner's like, what? Why? I mean, we, we don't see why this wouldn't. Oh, wait, this is actually right. We book the seven ship at here, right? Yeah, yeah ma- the, maybe you have a point there. Let's just call it tier seven. They, 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 yeah, they do occasionally make decisions. And I'm sure we can probably think of multiple examples between us where, uh, certainly when, when we were still CCs, you know, there was the kind of, collective uh response of you know this is this is not going to work and they go ahead and try it anyway and go oh yeah it didn't work but occasionally even when there was the mass that's not going to work they they went ahead and persisted and you know we have to wait quite a long time for the well actually that didn't work and sometimes we never heard the well that didn't work and we have you know questionable things in game like uh I, I don't know, Italian battleships, maybe? <laughs> Still not a popular line for some reason. I mean, I, I'm more uh, lenient with, with concepts that just haven't really been tested yet. Even if it's a concept that you look at it at paper and you're like, this is never going to work, and we still want to test it, then I'm like, okay, may- maybe like just most people are wrong and they are onto something and in, it surprisingly works out, even though it doesn't make sense. So I can at least somewhat look at it and say, yeah, okay, test it, right? Because... But if you have a concept that's on paper, doesn't even, it's like, if you just take a ship and make it worse in every other regard and be like, hey, this is this new ship, then it's like, well, what's, what's the point? Like, this doesn't even, like, on, there is nothing to test, right? If you make a ship worse in every stat, then it's a worse ship. It's like, maybe it's secretly not. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it, th- those are the things that, like, where you can't even argue, well, we should test this, right? It's like, no. But anyway. So, yeah, I think the saga of the San Diego might go on for a little while yet, I guess. We'll see. Then we also have... Oh, I was going to say, the only other interesting thing on there is maybe uh, uh, the changes to the Aquila, uh, which is getting smaller squadrons, fewer planes overall. Um, but they're also making the uh, top bombers more effective, it looks like. So I do wonder if that's going to be the focus of, of the Aquila is, is torpedoes. There's, we've had a lot of focus on different types of, uh, you know, drop bombs, AP bombs, skip bombs. So this might be uh, uh, a more torpedo-focused one. I have met, I think, one Aquila in games so far and it hasn't really come for me, so I have absolutely no idea about how the Aquila will perform. I guess we'll see. I mean, that's probably going to be testing for another couple of patches. Another patch or two. 
Yeah, then we have also some changes to like non-test chips, and uh, Buffalo is also getting nerfed, Tom. Right, so th that's the first thing they they nerf basically the US radar. But the, the good uh, thing is they actually made their surveillance radar now the default consumable in the slot, and that's something that should have been done a few years ago. But you know, uh, better late than never, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, we we won't see like you would hope somebody that's gone to tier ten wouldn't be oh you know like took the spotter plane on purpose, but there might be somebody somewhere that just didn't ever click that thing on the uh, the it's, consumable screen and wondered why they 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 didn't have radar, but everyone else did. It's the fighter plane that's the default consumable. Oh no, well, yeah, I knew it was some kind of catapult or something. Yeah, yeah. If if you. If they use spotter plane, they actually selected it. If if you see a fighter plane in Moin, it might be that it wasn't aware that it can change it, or it's the first game and it's forgotten to change it. But uh, you know, because I've uh, a few weeks ago or so, I've seen a fighter plane in Moin, and then we started a discussion why some why why would you ever use a fighter plane, right? And then I checked, and it's like the default consumable if you buy the ship. Mm. <laughs> But my, my personal theory about this radar change is that they want to make the Annapolis different because I presume the Annapolis has 40 seconds. I haven't checked, actually. But I would have presumed it has the same radar as Des Moines. And now, but they want like the radar to get longer and the higher tiers, and they didn't want to give the Annapolis an even longer radar, so they're just nerfing the ones below that to make Annapolis stand out more. That's what I assume. Yeah, I mean, it it might be it might be that I, th I think maybe there's also a little bit of like there is so much radar high tiers these days, and especially if you're using the uh, the correct modules, you know, you can get that forty seconds up to I can't even remember. You can get up to like nearly fifty seconds, I think. Um, yeah, probably. Which, it's quite a hostile environment for for uh, destroyers. Like, if you see a, a Soviet radar, at least you know it's going to be over relatively quickly. But if you see a Des Moines or a Buffalo or, or a, a Worcester or something like that, you know that you know that, that area is going to be denied for quite a long time. And if somebody pops up at relatively close range and you're not that, um, like, you, you're too far away from their, their max radar range to get unspotted easily, then that, that can really, really screw you. So... Uh, it, it's like five seconds. I think it's, it's reasonably significant. So yeah, it, it might be they're trying to make life for, for destroys a little bit easier. Possible. I mean, I I won't object. I think like thirty five is still a respectable choice, especially yeah. if you buff it with with the module and so on. It, and most not... destroyers aren't in there for the entire duration anyway. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, you 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 know, radar pops off. And, you know, it's a US radar. You run away as hard as fast as you possibly can because there's no like if you're just trying to um, sort of jink and dodge, like you might try with a Soviet radar that you know is only going to be like what ten, twelve, fifteen seconds. It's a significantly longer duration to try and stay alive and and undamaged whilst being actively spotted. So. Yeah, it, I don't think it's it's necessarily a huge buff for for destroyer survivability, but it's it's something. Yeah, then moving on, we have a signal reduction for the harp, in which I think this change is just there to confuse people. 
because the practical impact of this will not be visible really and it's not like Harbin is really overperforming so it's not like I think Harbin needs a nerf and I don't think this will actually do anything so I I have no idea why this is here it, it could just be that somebody made a rounding issue and it was never supposed to be 2.05 and decided to drop it to 2 or whatever right I I'm absolutely baffled by this because it makes it, it, no difference and those, no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those parameter changes where it's really not going to affect players, but it might make a tiny effect on like the averages on a spreadsheet kind of thing. So I, I don't know. Maybe they thought the averages on the spreadsheet were just that tiny little bit too high. So they've, they've made this small tweak to Sigma. Which, you know, if this had been a battleship, it might have been a more significant change. But when you're in a relatively fast-firing light cruiser... With that, little that, range, so it's, it's not even going sig- to be yeah. on long that, range. That sigma change is, is kind of largely uh, uh, not quite irrelevant, but, you know, from a player's point of view, I, guess, I suppose it, it's sort of irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 0.5 on, on in a light cruiser with little range. It's, yeah. I highly doubt that you will even see this on a scoreboard or in a statistic, largely. That's why it's yeah. so baffling. It's such a small change that you don't expect two an actual still, gameplay impact. Two is still really good as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then they are also nerfing the super... Well, uh, they are very, very slightly... Nothing. The super carries. You know, there was something uh, that I saw on Reddit there. Uh, something about the damage. Re- there it is. United States five thousand two hundred uh, five hundred and twenty-seven thousand seven hundred ninety-seven damage. The, the European record. So this this ship has been out for not even a month. And the damage record now stands by uh, 530,000 points of damage, which is pretty... It, it's, it's a lot of damage, you know, for for the little amount of time this ship has been around. So yeah. obviously Wargaming is giving you 10 more seconds reload on one squadron and 20 more seconds on another one. And keep in mind, you still have your regular planes. If so, like in a lot of cases, like it's not like you're necessarily launching uh, launching all of those quadrants on cooldown in the first place because you know you you have your other planes in between. You're not going to halfway to a target call your planes back in order to launch a different squadron. So this will have very little impact. So what would have much more sense is reduce the damage the actual squadrons do. But oh, you can't do that. You you might hurt poor CV players' feelings. Definitely. So uh, it's it's you know the ships that are really overperforming. They are getting a slight, slight, slight slap on the wrist. And you know, naughty you, a little bit slower. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's another change that people aren't honestly going to notice. Yeah, you like, you won't. Was every squadron that was getting a longer. Um, or not even a longer cooldown, but you know, if they if they coupled that with like a longer um, plane replenishment or something like that, I don't know. I mean, anyway, it's yeah. it it just shows that they they are either utterly incompetent or they have no intention of actually balancing balancing those ships. Possibly a mixture of. 
But there is, there is good news. There is actual good news. And this is that they are nerfing the armor of Petro. So they, they have meter raising the Petro. Apparently didn't do the trick. Who knew? So now they, they are actually working on the armor. So this is a good thing because the problem with the Petro is always that it's too tanky and they are finally trying to address that. So it took them a long time, but good change. Actually yeah, good change. 50 to 40. Um, that's going to. Uh, especially with the deck armor, I mean, that's going to mean uh, I don't have the numbers to hand, but there's going to be certain cruisers that can now do deck HE pens, I think. I'm, try- I'm trying to think with the, the Hindi, would that need IFHE to achieve that? I'm not sure. Uh, but I mean, I think for battleship caliber HE, it's probably not going to make any any real difference, but there are some some cruisers that, that perhaps then might be able to more effectively deal with uh, annoying bow tanking Petros. I guess we'll see. Somebody somewhere will be feverishly uh, checking the numbers of, of various ships, I'm sure. Possibly, but definitely like they're going in the right direction with the Petro finally, so credit where credit is due, that's, that's good. Yeah, I mean they're doing it a bit at a time, but they are doing it. Which is better than not doing it. Just ignoring the problem entirely and saying, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So, uh, Henry gets slightly better rudder shift. Which is probably also uh, welcome. Yeah, nothing significant, but that's what point seven seconds, better part of a second, so again, kind of a, a, a smallish change, but in the right direction. Uh, there's also a slight nerf to Ragnar. Um that that's been a bit of a sleeper hit, that one. I think there are a lot of people that um I've just realized my webcam's kind of Freezing, I don't know why. Um, yeah, um, I, I guess Ragnar's steel ship, right? Uh, it, it, it's, it's one of those ones where I think a lot of people um, didn't kind of realize how effective it could be. And then there's been some quite um, uh, popular streamers and YouTubers have gone, oh, actually, yeah, this is pretty good. And it's, it's maybe kind of gained a bit more recognition. Maybe there's been more play, people playing it and Wargaming have realized, oh yeah, that's quite, that can be quite effective. So uh, it's not a particularly big nerf, but it is a nerf. Yeah. 3.4 seconds is still a really quick reload. Definitely. It's, I have no, I mean, I haven't played the Ragnar myself. I've run into them and they can be quite scary. So I, you know, I have no problem with that nerf so far. And I also haven't felt like Ragnar is that overperforming that they'd have to hit it with a big nerf hammer. But as I said, I haven't played it myself. I guess we'll have to keep an eye out and see if there's any subsequent Ragnar nerfs like with had with uh, well yeah, with the Petro. Uh, then so we have a kind of a sideways buff for a line that's really been uh, left in the dirt, might be putting it a bit strongly. 
but one that has certainly been, I think, really power crept since it, it, it came out. There's always had some issues. Um, yeah, the the Pan-Asian destroyers. And instead of going like, oh, you know, the, the Yuyang is not performing very well, or the Senyang, or, or they've instead decided to give them a torpedo reload booster consumable. Uh, which is going to be situationally, occasionally useful, but it doesn't really address any of the root weaknesses that, that those ships can be said to have. True, it's 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 weird the way they try. I mean, I suppose because they are, the, like, Deepwaters is sort of the, the thing of the Panations, right? And they, I think they, they just really wanted to be the identity. That's why they are buffing the torpedoes so much. It would have made a lot more sense to give the, the ships, I think, more gunpowder because they used to be a lot more scary back in the day. They were just mm. outshined so much by others. And originally, like, one of the biggest advantages was that they could mount radar instead of smoke. But there are so many radar destroyers out there these days that they just can't compete in that niche anymore. So instead of giving them... I'm rather in that area. I think Wargaming is just decided, okay, you, you're just going to be deep water top specialists in that sense. And they're trying hard to push that. Generally, half through those ships is welcome because almost nobody plays them anyway. And the thing with um, destroyers that particularly rely on torpedoes, and in this case, you know, can't even torpedo other destroyers, so it, it rather limits um, their effective targets. Uh, it it means that um you know it, it it's going to be a buff in some circumstances but not really where it counts because uh like if you're basically really struggling with with your gun power um and you are heavily reliant on torpedoes and uh especially if you always know your uh, well not always but if you're more often than not going to be at a disadvantage with your guns versus other destroyers, because you absolutely can't rely on uh, torpedoes to even, you know, make them dodge. Then, um, yeah, uh, it, it it's definitely a limited buff in my eyes. It it's only going to help in fairly limited circumstances where you would already be doing well with your torpedoes, because you know it's it's the case as anyone that's that's played a torpedo dependent line is that it, it can be very feast or famine. You can end up with with oh, yeah. uh, games where you just don't get to do very much, that everyone manages to dodge your torps. And even though, yes, they are still the stealthiest torps in the game, it, it doesn't really help that much, especially at the higher tiers when you know there's more powerful Hydra around and quite frequently you are torping past destroyers, which you can't hurt with your torpedoes, but they can sure spot your torpedoes for other ships to then subsequently dodge. So... Um, yeah, like I said, this feels like a bit of a not really a true buff. Very, I mean, it's I, a very, very situational thing. I mean, true, but you know, it's not like Yashima Kaz is very reliant on its torps, but it's not making it like a bad ship. They just want those ships also to rely on their torps, but have a different target area, basically. I mean, the idea of Deep Waters is to have, make it easier to land hits. Uh, yeah, make it easier to land hits, but you can't. Or like destroyers, so that's the downside. I but, I mean, you know. if, if if they would have changed it so that it's hard to for you know other destroyers to even spot the torpedoes, I think that would have been something. Or they they 
but I mean, it's Maybe. already pretty hard, right? They have to get very close. Yeah, I mean, they have to. They have. They do have to be close, but um, there have certainly been, especially with, again, especially with the high tiers. You know, when there's that abundance of hydro around. But you know, uh, I have been sucked in by 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 the destroyer spotting because I've had it let like a destroyer spotted the the torps, right? But it only spotted like half of them, or it missed one or two because the, the location, like the, they are so sneaky. But even okay, if they top yeah. a full salvo under the destroyer, you only see like half of them, and you're like, haha, I'm dodging those. And then like a few hundred meters in front of you, the other top spawn, and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> so, to be honest, if I was going to take a deep water destroyer, I'd, I'd probably still rather reach for the Asashio rather than any of the Pan Asians, but yeah. I think the line still peaks at tier seven, to be honest, mainly because the the uh, the tier seven gets those excellent British turret angles. Yeah, I guess also, they are. You know, you have, they are still scary at tier seven. Yeah, we have less of the powerful long range hydro and radar to worry about. I mean, we will see. Like they have buffed them what three or four times last year, and now again. So maybe they'll just. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Generally, I have to say I'm happy that they are back to those changes, right? Because like last year, there were a few patches yeah, where, yeah. They, where they they seem to start taking interest into rebalancing older ships. Sometimes a bit of questionable changes, but sometimes good changes, right? And then they stopped, right? They basically took a few months break where they suddenly didn't change anything anymore. Now they're back to it. So if they are back to actually trying to rebalance old ships, that's definitely welcome. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, I mean, like I said with the the the, the Petro and the Ragnar, you know, hopefully this this won't be the last change for those ships that we see in a while. Then they've also. Uh, buffed sock i mean i don't see many socks i haven't played it myself so maybe it's uh, oh wait they buffed the tops but they they nerfed the guns i don't yeah, know i haven't run into many sockies an interesting balance shift 10 is certainly a lot more usable than eight at, at, at high tiers eight is getting kind of dangerously close in a lot of circumstances definitely uh, there's also a buff there to Garajavoy's um, long, longest range torps as well, 10 to 12 kilometers. That will make Garajavoy a lot more interesting, I would say. Like, 12 is that significant because now you can face sort of top Russian raiders without exposing yourself too much. So I felt like 12 is really like a, a sweet spot from I mean, more is, is always better, but if, if you have 12 at tier 10, that's pretty good. So I'm looking forward to testing Crossable with that. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, I just, it just occurred to me to say about Zorki, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people blew their credits on the battleships, and I've certainly seen a fair few Yamagiris, so you'll probably see, like, it'll probably take a while before people then get the credits back to get the kind of less um, interesting ones like, like Zorki, so... I'm in Russian. Yeah. Like the Russian gunboat line has fallen out of faith a long time ago. Yeah, so. yeah, I think so. Especially since the French came along. Also, talk, uh, talking of, of ships with an initially completely flawed concept, Belfast 43. 
<laughs> Which I think when it very first came out, it only had like two of the short duration smokes or something like that. So yeah, it was basically really like there was no reason to play it over the tier seven, essentially. I mean, it was a very capel fast one tier high. Yeah, and you still don't see it very often at all, even though it's been on sale for a while now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the half-second change will make a lot of difference, but it's a buff, and it deserves a buff, so that's good. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, under that, we, know, we have another cruiser buff. In fact, we have two cruiser buffs, but... Um, yeah, the Hipper, and this this one was... like I, I would not have said offhand that the Hipper was particularly underperforming but clearly it has been underperforming a bit if they've decided to knock off that uh, half second reload so that that will over the course of a game have a i would think a, a reasonable extra bump to dpm probably and i think that's going to be welcome for a lot of hipper players i i i wonder if that's more um sort of a product of harsher tier 8 matchmaking these days and being faced with uh, higher tiers more often. Maybe that's been depressing its uh, ability to do damage if it's just surviving less. I mean, it also always, I feel, think, fell a bit short with the Prince, with the Prince having the heal, although the Hippo always had a bit better reload. The heal is yeah, just kind of, they, much they more powerful. To, they tried to differentiate them, them that way by giving the the hip of that, that boost to its reload so yeah i think prince is still if i was going to pick one of them i will probably stick the prince that still take the, the prince organ just with its ability to last longer with that heal but uh yeah i might have to take hip out and see how it feels with the ten and a half and um in that vein talon is getting a a half second reload buff as well which I haven't played that much, so I can't really say that much about the talent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've got anything to chip in. It's uh, is it 180 mil guns on the talent? That's the one that has the hipper hull, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure it does. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking it up. No, that's the wrong Talon. That's a Kara class cruiser. Well, I'd have to launch the client, so I'll do that in the background and we can maybe circle back to that. Okay. So, yeah. Uh... The carrier like Chakov getting nerfed, they always like to see carriers getting nerfed, but there are a lot of carriers missing on that list that should get a slip, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. But yeah, they, they're nerfing torpedo it's... damage and skip bomber damage and fire chance. Yeah, so that was that must have been um doing really quite well for its tier if they've decided to nerf Torps, skip bombs, and fire chance. Like that must have have, have been really overperforming because that's that's 
that's not just like one small change. That's um, some kind of like that's like three fairly moderate changes, I would say. So yeah, I'd be interested to see what the uh, the stats were for that, like their internal tracking stats versus other tier eight carriers if they've decided to hit it that heavily. So yeah, some some fairly yeah. interesting changes here overall. Though I mean, it, it is nice that we're getting back to hopefully these more frequent, kind of smaller across the board uh, changes um, because. Um, it's the nature of of any kind of free to play game where they are constantly adding stuff. That like if they're not also at the same time looking at at balance and making smaller balance changes on an ongoing basis, that's going to sort of lead to cumulative problems later on. Definitely. And there are no really bad changes in this, I think. I mean, there was something like the United States and the Eagle would need more of a nerf. I think the harping thing is pointless. But there's nothing like really offensive when I look at this. So overall, pretty pretty positive, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Which uh, brings us to, uh, to, to, to submarines. <laughs> yes. Also, yes, Talon is the one that's uh, on the hip was the uh, 180 So, uh, submarine changes, there are surprisingly few changes. There is also something that, there is an interesting article here for, for, if they, if they want to take a look themselves, it's on Reddit. I can also throw that in chat here. So basically some smart people did some testing and some maths on some data mining on depth charges and how splash damage and so on works against submarines. And, I guess we can go over Reddit first and then do what they are changing, or... Yeah, uh, it it does have some um, conclusions that I think partly people had already figured out, like the stuff about um, damage saturation and... Uh, yes. Uh, the kind of like the, the increased... The, the way they've, they've increased the durability of submarines overall. Yes, so basically submerged subs have practically the same durability as French destroyers. So we've already known that, right? If they just go down, they they are hard to damage, let's say. Then there is also AG or SAP is a lot better because there's, I think it was about the splash radius. It's like AP has very little splash and submarines are very hard to hit directly. So oftentimes your shells might just only hit close. So it's a lot more unreliable to, to shoot submarines with armor piercing. So it's even more important to switch to something like high explosive to ensure that your shells actually hit to damage. Mm-hmm. Then the, about the depth charges, that something that's very interesting, put it like this, is about the air depth charges, right? Now those, those are about the air, not about the one that you drop at the back of your ship. but the adapt charges have a splash damage coefficient, and if you're very close to the target, you do full damage. But as soon as you go a little bit away, it immediately drops to 35%. So the way this seems to work is it's not that, you know, you, you basically dropped halfway to the sub or so, and now you're getting 50% damage or something. No, no, it's, it's immediately jumps from 100% to 35%. 
and then further to 25. And in the outer reaches of the depth charge, it registers as a hit, but it doesn't do damage, right? So in the outer edges of a depth charge hit, from an airstrike, you might see that you hit the target, right? You, you get the, the ribbon, but you don't actually do damage. And that, that, those are like, I think the two concerning things is at first that you think you hit it, but you don't actually do anything. And the second part is that, that they immense damage drop, right? It's not like a linear drop or anything. It's like this huge scale. So once you get out of uh, 30% of the, the drop range or so, it's like it, it immediately goes, drops the damage down to the bot. Yeah, and it, it's a big nerf to um, the, you know, by far the most effective weapon against subs, which is airdropped depth charges, because there is um, a, a, a kind of bigger radius overall, and I think less drop-off with the ship-mounted ones, although they take longer to detonate, as it notes, but um, like usually getting to the point where you can drop ship-mounted depth charges on the submarine is, is way harder, and it, it's a lot easier for a sub to um, stay out of the, the kind of the danger area Unless there's, like, you know, if, if if the situation's really gone against your team and you're kind of left stranded, then, you know, you're kind of a bit screwed at that point anyway, but you would be in most classes of ships in that scenario. Um, but, but yeah, by, by far the most effective um, way of dealing with subs usually is is, is using the, the much bigger radius of airdropped ones, but they just have this such a, a disproportionately huge damage fall off that, this is one of the reasons why subs are now so much more survivable, as it turns out. Yeah, also, ship-mounted depth charges also have a big drop-off, but they only have one. Like, they, they don't have an area where they do zero damage, and they don't have an area where they do 25% damage. They mm. just do either 100 or, like, uh, 33% damage. But it's also pretty quickly where they enter the 33%, right? So if you aren't, like, exactly on top of it, with, as you mentioned, the, the smaller radius even... It means that for ship-mounted depth charges, unless you're dropping it right on top of their head, your damage is also severely reduced. So, uh, I mean, we all knew how ineffective a lot of countermeasures were, but we weren't aware of just how weirdly wargaming is going about this. It's like, unless you, like, shove the depth charge into the sub's nose, sub's just gonna laugh at you. And it, it goes back to, I think, a problem they've had since day one. Of, of They've put this class into a game that was never really designed for that class from the start. So it's, it's, it's essentially, um, I think I talked about this in a previous one, like it, it, it feels like a good example of what's called parasitic game design. And... Um, so we've we've ended up with this situation where they're kind of swinging fairly wildly between survivability of subs versus um, kind of like the, uh, how easy it is for for enemy players to deal with them, and um, you know the the at the same time the kind of their their ability to do damage versus players' ability to mitigate that damage. So uh, it's definitely. 
I, I don't know if it's possible to really reach a good balance, to be honest, just because they're so generally ill-suited to, to random gameplay. But we've definitely hit a stage where they are much too hard to deal with for other players. I mean, it's great if you're yes. playing a submarine yourself. <laughs> but it kind of sucks if you're playing against one, especially a sub player that has figured out how to to use it effectively. So, sounds a lot like Carius, doesn't him? Mm. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, a, a wild swing of the pendulum too far in favor of 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 subs. And uh, I don't know, at some point we might swing wildly back to subs being a lot weaker, which I'd be fine with, but would, you know, uh, not be so much fun if you're actually playing the subs. But overall, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not like they've ever truly managed to find a, a decent balance for subs of being both um, fun and effective to play, but also fun and effective to to play against, and not just something that you roll your eyes or sigh when you see that there happens to be subs in your match. And yes, I think to a greater extent than 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 carriers. Very true. Which I suppose can bring us to to uh, the new Wargaming dev block. So, what's Wargaming actually changing? Because it's uh, very little. Which is in my eyes concerning because submarines are so wrong currently. And usually when, when Wargaming stops making big changes, it means that they are looking at a product and they're more confident that it's the way, it's going the way they want it to. So that there are so little changes that barely do anything in this, this iteration has me concerned. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but let's just say I'm concerned. Now, the first thing they're going to change is the matchmaker. And that's, uh, in a sense, a welcome change because we've all realized the problem. I'm not sure about you. I've been in uh, battles with four destroyers, two submarines, and a carrier, which leaves uh, not too many ships that you actually can see. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's generally not fun. So they want to address this by basically, I mean, depending on matchmaker time, but in best case scenario, there will be no more than four destroyers and submarines combined. And maximum two of them submarines. So it could have like two destroyers and two submarines. Now that somewhat solves the issue. But at the same time, it creates a new issue in my book. Because the thing is that destroyers are... I mean, destroyers aren't all that the same in that sense. How they... What what they do in battle, right? If you have like an Elbing or a Kleber or a Shimakase, that's going to be very differently. So if you have two submarines and two, only two destroyers, the two destroyers being non, not cap contesters will have a much huger impact. So I'm, I'm not, it's not really an ideal solution, but you should probably make the situation better than it is. And I feel like while submarines are very sneaky, the problem with submarines going for objectives is, in my experience, they are just not really that mobile enough. And while mm. they have an... Uh, the, the best disengagement tool by just diving. Uh, it, it takes a while for submar a submarine to reposition, right? If a submarine is forced to disengage, uh, it needs to completely dive, possibly turn around the entire way, then, then go out, then turn back, resurface, and try to find a target. Mm. And if, if it's hunting an enemy destroyer there, that can possibly just run away. So for a submarine, positioning is very important. And 
While a submarine can totally just farm a destroyer, if it charges the destroyer, the destroyer might be able, if it sees the sub coming, to just disengage and so on. So it's like, it's a bit weird because submarines are incredibly powerful, very hard to counter, but they take time to properly position. And the best way to fight a submarine is to run away from it, which you can usually effectively, right? So sailing a submarine in a cap is probably going to cost you a lot of time and isn't going to let you make the most of of its armament so if you try to play a submarine that way it's probably not all ideal it leaves the two destroyers that might not be cap contested so i feel like while it solves one problem the matchmaker is just going to open up another problem yeah and i mean um typically um sub players seem less inclined to go and contest caps anyway. I mean, I have seen it happen, but uh, it seems to be less in the sub player mindset than it is the destroyer player mindset. And obviously, like True. you said, it does does depend on the kind of destroyer. Um, but um, yeah, alongside that, I wanted to say that the fact that they're taking the step of tinkering with the matchmaker to try and address that. That's usually something they try and leave alone, if at all possible. So I think that's kind of significant in of itself, that, that they're, they're taking the steps to, um, to, to cap the, the combined total of, of destroyers and submarines that, uh, that, that, that they haven't really found any other way to uh, address that issue. And the fact that it is an issue um, it's notable that Wargaming accepts that it is an issue, right? Because, I mean, definitely it's an issue if, if more than half of the team is not really visible on the map and not, mm-hmm. you know, actively fighting. It's a different game, really. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a fun game. <laughs> like, the, yeah. The, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're in cruisers and, and uh, um, uh, battleships, uh, you just end up with all these... Um, I mean, it heavily then depends on the sub and destroyer players, and you can end up with one team just getting absolutely herded by these invisible ships that they they can't really see. And if they don't have decent enough players in their own subs and destroyers, then um, you know at that point there's no effective counter. So yeah, um, it, it's the, it's the kind of thing where you could have said beforehand, yeah, this is going to be an issue, but it, it's taken it being an issue on the live server for, before Wargaming has decided that actually we do need to take the somewhat drastic step of actually adding um, heavier matchmaking limitations in. Yeah, it, It's the thing that people have told them for half a year now, at least, and now they're finally listening. Although their solution isn't perfect, it should make it at least a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But you know, it it doesn't solve any of the underlying problems. But it's it's a it's a it, it's like there's a giant wound, and they have at least put a small bandaid on on a tiny scratch of it. <laughs> well, there's a bit of visual imagery for everybody. <laughs> then what else do we have? In order to unclutter the interface, the animation associated with a sonar ping hitting a target has been turned down for ships which currently have. Active ping sector. I mean, that's good, right? Because it gets annoying if you if you already ping and you constantly hear the ping thingy. Mm-hmm. There's a warning sign aiming in a sonar ping direction at intercepts an island. I mean, those those warning signs on torpedoes are wrong eighty five percent of the time. So I presume it's the same going to P four. 
Barcelona ping, so you know, it's, it's not really gonna do much. Uh, the Demarca on a depth meter displaying the depth at which the seafloor and the submarine is located. Probably a good change. Yeah, you're not going to be uh, accidentally ramming the seafloor and then wondering Which why you can, by the way, get stuck on. Yeah. You, you can get stuck if you touch the seafloor, be very. <laughs> yeah. Might be sticky. Uh, then, what else do we have? After some analysis of the common effectiveness, we have reduced the survivability of submarines. Well, so they increased the radius of uh, ship drop depth charges significantly from 450 meters. That's a huge increase. That's amazing. But the problem is still, first of all, you there's need to position yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the damage drop-off. So we don't know if they're using a different damage drop-off formula then. Right now it's a very harsh drop-off. But so, you know, you might only do very little splash damage to them. But, you know, getting on top of the submarine for a lot of ships is suicide because you've got to charge the submarine. And if you charge a submarine, if the submarine's competent and looking at you and reloaded, it wins. And if it's... uh if it's not ready to, to take you on, it sees you coming and it just dives and is, is away before you're there because you can't track it when it dives. So it's, you know. It's, it's a welcome change, but it won't make the biggest difference because those, those depth charges are very hard to use in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's still like 800 meters is, is a, a big step up from 450, but you're still having to get pretty damn close with the destroyer. You're still having to get within a kilometer kind of thing or a, like a cruiser that has um, rolling charges. And the next point I find amusing, increase the damage dealt by airstrike depth charges in the outermost part of the damage radius. You remember the outermost part of the damage radius where the damage is zero right now? <laughs> so they, inc they increase the damage, which means it's not going to be zero any longer. <laughs> yeah, but, they have by much. Zero percent to, yeah, and the fact that they just say increase, so it could be literally from zero percent to one percent, and it would technically be true. True. I mean... uh this, the thing is, right, it's already down to 25% in the, the second outermost radius. So unless they want to just merge those two areas, it's going to be probably less than 25%. And considering how this has been going, I presume it's somewhere going to be around 10-15% damage that they're going to do in this race. I mean, still, it's damage. But... It's, it's, you know, it's not gonna make the hugest impact, but at least you're gonna do some damage. <laughs> uh. Meanwhile, they've also reduced the minimum airstrike depth charge distance for battleships. What I still don't understand is why battleships have so much better depth charge planes than cruisers. Like, cruisers are so limited in their range with the range planes. And I guess one of the downsides has been that they can't drop very close to their ship. Now they're getting that advantage of cruise. I feel like Wargaming is really just thinking like battleships should be the submarine counters for some reason. Which is really odd, but no more odd than anything else they've had to do to try and make subs to fit this game. <laughs> so, you know, what's one more oddity at this point, I suppose, to the yeah. utterly ahistorical... The parody that submarines are in World of Warships. 
so yeah while while these are technically all changes that help uh against submarines none of them seem to be that significant like i mean the, the radius increase is significant for the ship drop charges that's very true but it doesn't make it easier to use them and also has been, been pointed out that you can't see why you drop your charges is is awkward especially if you have like front mount that's in my opinion still a big issue right if you're halland or something that shoots the depth charges in the front you have absolutely no clue where they're going to land it's so mm. hard to aim them if you can't see like like a marker anywhere while with with the others you just sail uh, over the submarine i guess and, and you drop it when you think you are on top of it and you hope for the best those charges right it's like i feel like they are very hard to aim and it would be so simple i think to just see on the map where, where they're going to shoot before you fire them but hey maybe that's just me yeah, certainly a lot of guesswork at the moment and just kind of like doing doing the wrong thing enough that you then figure out what the right thing is. I mean, I know the first like time or two I tried to use Halland depth charges, it was uh <laughs> it was way off. It was way over where I thought it was gonna be kind of thing. So it was I was just sailing around firing off my depth charges in uh it's essentially random directions that didn't have anything to do where the sub actually was or where I was trying to. So, yeah, some I, I think some kind of additional UI element, like you know, you get the the um, the submarine drop indicators, uh, the, the the torpedo drop indicators, um, something yeah. like that for depth charges. I mean, you could like with with the the planes, you get the sub area highlighted. With them. Yeah, even, if, even, if even yeah, they already kind of do with, with planes. You can see at least the the area where you're going to drop, but with the destroyers, you get nothing. Then uh, the next changes are the these. Well, they are changes to the sonar pings. So uh, what I really find funny, once again, is they're like, so basically instead of seeing the ping coming towards you over the water, they just highlight the area roughly where the submarine is in the water with a very small, hard to see effect. And they say this new effect makes it easier to find the source of the ping, which is a lie. Uh, that's a straight up lie. They might, maybe that was their goal, maybe it wasn't, but they utterly failed. So the new effect makes it harder to find the source of the ping, maybe. That, that's the factual truth. They say it makes it easier because that might have been their intention, but as I said, they failed. Now they have apparently changed the effect to, to make it even more visible. Don't know how the new effect looks like. So yeah, the, the, the feedback they got is the effect disappears too quickly and is difficult to notice. So yeah, bas basically they literally made it harder to see, and I got the feedback, it's harder to see. So that's the story. And they are now going to introduce additional changes, so the effect remains visible for longer. And uh, basically, they didn't actually highlight the exact place where the submarine is, but some offset, and they now make the effect closer to the submarine. Now, my uh, my main problem with the concept is that first of all raising a uh, seeing a ping race across the water is very easy to see for everyone right having a, a certain surface spawn somewhere still take like you still need to look around and 
unless you have airdrop depth charges, it's not even that useful, right? You have, with the ping, you can see instantly the direction the ping is coming from. It's very good information to try to dodge the incoming probes or turn away or whatever, right? While this effect is going to be harder to spot, and it's only helpful if you have like airdrop depth charges, which most people don't. And I have a high feeling that it's going to be a lot harder for the team to make use of this, right? Yeah, it, it might arguably maybe be better for an individual player who's really paying attention, but yeah. So like, overall, it doesn't feel like it's particularly helpful. Like, how often have you seen pings race across the map they, they haven't even hit you, or maybe they're coming for somebody else, right? Yeah. Like, I've, I mean, it is sure you're sailing and I see pings coming, or you see a ship, you see a ping coming, right? You immediately know there's a sub around, even if the sub is not targeting you. Maybe the sub is targeting the battleship next to you, but you see the ping, you know the sub's there, and if you can help, maybe you drop depth charges there somewhere. If you can't see that ping anymore, the person that's not getting pinged, like all the people around you will no longer immediately know that there is a submarine. So basically what they're making, they're making changes that might in circumstances benefit those ships that get pinged and have airdrop depth changes, but make it a lot harder for everybody else to be effective against that submarine. So this is going to be mostly a, a buff for submarines that they're once again trying to sell us into proofing mm. anti-submarine warfare. If there was something coupled alongside that, like you could expend depth charges as a, a disruption mechanism to... like, Because at the moment, the only way to, to break a lock is to um, like use your damage control party. But if you have the option of, of dropping your own depth charges, which would you know create a bunch of noise in the water, potentially, and if 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 that could degrade or com completely break somebody's um, um, lock onto your ship, you know that that would be at least something that you could actively do as a player. But yeah, at the moment, I don't I don't see how this change enhances the player experience at all. I mean, as you say, it arguably makes it worse. For, well, anyone not yeah. playing submarines, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who cares about all the other non-submarine players, right? Yeah, definitely. A good change, though, is I think they, the way I understand it, is they're going to stop the bobbing. Yeah, I mean, they've said that before and said they fixed failed, it, so. and it was demonstrated they hadn't fixed it, so maybe they really have fixed it this time I guess we'll see I mean the, the way they've done it they say is that the, the characteristics of periscope depth are maintained between the depths of 0 and 15 meters where the border of periscope depth the maximum depth now lies so basically uh if you are 15 meters or above, you are effectively at periscope depth in terms of people being able to do damage. 
and spot, perhaps? It just says the characteristics, so I assume it means the total characteristics of being at periscope depth. Yeah, I, I assume that as soon as you go below 15, you immediately lose like the, the spotting stuff, right? So basically you can't spot while being unshootable. So as soon as you lose the, the shootable stuff, you also lose the benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Like So currently it's like you, you lose the, the drawbacks uh, before you lose the benefits. So there is an area where you can have all the benefits and none of the drawbacks, sort of, right? And they want to change that by having the both on the same. I, I presume. Yeah, there could be a bit clearer with their wording there. We are having to make a couple of assumptions in what they actually mean. Um, but it does say that both. Now, this is slightly confusing. Yeah, there are two possible levels while at maximum depth, 30 meters and 60 meters. So does that mean those are now both treated as being at maximum depth? I mean, it sounds like everything below 15 meters is, max- is treated as maximum depth, but you can then have two stable levels of 30 and 60, which I'm not sure what the, the benefit of that is yeah. or why that would be a thing or why you would need that. It might be with depth charges. Obviously, it takes them longer to sink, right? So I, I would presume that you are a bit safe of depth charges at 60. I, I guess it still gives some... Uh, room to maneuver um, vertically as well as laterally if you're engaged with another submarine, potentially. But, you know, not that that happens all that often. I have to be a bit careful. My my uh, cable of the cat cam has come under cat attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes they just decide that, oh, that looks chewable. I've had that happen a couple of times. I've... I've got a slight frame mark on my uh my mouse cable now because sam decides occasionally yeah i'm gonna chew that that looks fun something something hairy chaos gremlins something exactly well in in other submarine changes i've changed uh, the captain skills honestly i haven't really looked into the current captain skills anyway a lot so I'm not sure. Yeah. Why. Um. Yeah, I don't. Is there anything that's super significant here? Duration of the mark sector after single um, sonar ping from. Oh, okay, with sonar man, so that that increases the effectiveness of just a single ping. Yeah, so basically it used to increase the effectiveness of two pings, and now it increases the effectiveness of a single ping, the way I understand it. So makes yeah, it easier to use. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's not necessarily bad if you have a skill that um, is more focused around a single ping, because then... It's you know, easier to use. The... Yeah. Don't, don't you get extra damage still from double pings, or was that if they have no, no, you, no, no, there is no damage. But it's it's just okay. I think better homing. But it's just the duration. And it's and the, it's the locked homing. on longer. Okay. I, I honestly couldn't. There's been so many changes with sub mechanics True. that it's kind of like keeping keeping it all straight without having a literal spreadsheet timeline in front of you of all the you know the back and forth changes. Yeah. 
they've they've tried really hard and so long and tried so many changes and it still is in the state that it's in. So anyway, uh, then... um, yeah, this, that that seems like it's probably the most significant. The others seem a little bit less so. So torpedo training. Uh, the reload time when you're detected is 5%. It's gone from 5% to 15%. That always seemed like not particularly worthwhile skill, so I guess that makes it a bit more worthwhile. Yeah, it's it's, it's a rather significant buff. I have no idea what enhanced impulse generator skill looks like now. So Yeah, doesn't that I can't say what the change does. Down the something. I can't remember. I made the mistake of closing the client. I should have left it open so I could look at the tooltips. But anyway. But then the consumable enhancements, it's basically a buff. Adrenaline rush is a buff. Uh, and improved battery efficiency seems to be a buff. And... Yeah, uh, the propeller shift. So basically, they, they, they buffed a lot of... Uh, skills for yeah. some so while, while they made very slight token changes to to well i mean they, they basically they had some changes that are some slight nerfs to submarine survivability but very slight then they it made sonar seems... changes which is a buff to submarines and then they buffed all the skills to submarines yeah it, it seems Not overall all, but, you know. more buffs than 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 nerfs uh for subs specifically um, not really a lot of help for people playing against subs in this particular set of uh, proposed updates. Yeah, so so if, if you were hoping that Wargaming would like hit the submarines with the nerf hammer because they are so obnoxious right now, then you might be uh, very disappointed because Wargaming has decided that submarines clearly need some help. <laughs> yeah. It's you know clearly clearly on the spreadsheet there's just not enough people still playing subs so they have to make them ever more attractive and you know regardless of what that does to the balance or the fun of you know gameplay overall. True. I know Zfire said you can take subs in training rooms, but I'm not gonna install the test client and then go into the training room. And try to test. I mean, I leave the testing of those uh, sort of things to, to other people, but like a lot of those things need to test, uh, be tested in combat situations anyway, right? For example, how much will will the 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 radius increase here matter in actual gameplay? I mean, I can tell you already right now that most of the time you can't use ship drop depth charges very effectively. That won't change, right? But in the situations you do, you might get a bit more damage out of it. So, you know, and for example, when they say you now deal damage in the outer radius, we don't know by much. Yes, you could take the time to test this on a test server, but I honestly couldn't be bothered to install a test server client, open a training room, and then just to find out that I probably do about 10% damage in the outer radius now of a ship drop depth charge. So, you know, as ever, we can give them at least partial credit for 
giving this information ahead of time, although they could have been a bit clearer about some things, but as to the actual changes, I yeah. think I'm fine. <laughs> So, yeah. Subs are with us for the foreseeable future, alas. Yeah, and Even this... if they just gave us another vacation yeah. for a patch or two, that would be nice, but no. Let's just say that the changes are mostly in the subs favor and very limited in general speaking doesn't give me much hope there. Because, honestly, when I read through this dev blog, for me, it looks like Wargaming is... It looks like they are either they are completely out of ideas or they feel like submarines are in a relatively good state because they make very small changes and mostly mm. in favor of submarines, even though they try to word it in, in a different way. I still don't understand what you want to test, C files. What's there to test? Uh, anyway, I think this is about covering what we had for today, or were there, were there any yeah. other interesting news? We, I mean, the the whole um, split between the, uh, the the economic change stuff was kind of last week, really, but we didn't think that would be enough on its own. So, yeah, well, I think between all the topics we've we've had a a good run of discussion this evening oh yeah and we should in theory have tc freer next week so we might have yet further discussion on numbers things but we'll see what news there is in the uh, intervening time as well of course yeah, yeah we'll see if they hit us with new dev blocks the coming week yeah Well, I guess we can just call it a night here then, right? Yeah, I think that's us, uh, that's us done for now. In, in the usual shorter two-hour podcast. <laughs> so, uh, thanks everyone for being here. Thanks for watching. And we will be back next week. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.